Yeah, this one, where you? Thanks. Yes, please, thank you. Um, Anna, I just had a few questions for you. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of you, some people here might know Anna, some might not. Um, what, what connections do you already have with St Michael's? This is not your first time here, do tell us. Yeah, um, it's really nice to be here tonight and see so many people that I do know so well. Um, yeah, so many people. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, my family uh, went to St. Mar my parents went to St. Michael's for a long time. They got married here. Who are your parents? My parents are Joe and Sue Radkovic, oh. as featured. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, I kind of came here for a year, but not really, when I was about eight. Um, so I attended for a little while, but it was really cool showing up to church on Sunday to do deputation. You know, this is my seventh church I've done deputation at and it was like so great I walk in at eight o'clock and my auntie Sue is reading the bible and then at 9 45 cousin David is like leading the service and 11 30 dad preached and it was like oh this like every church I visit on deputation feels like family like it's so beautiful you know to show up to a bunch of Christians who faithfully love God and they're excited that you're there excited to partner with you but you guys are like next step beyond that like you are family in a way that is really beautiful like when my family first went to Kenya in 2000 2001 2001 um, you guys were the home church that like sent us out to go and I was about nine years old then so massive history with this church love you guys lots it feels pretty connected yeah it's great the double send in church How yeah and generational as well That's yeah and um, what do you like to do in your spare time yeah, um, I like to do lots of things. I love outdoor stuff, so pretty much anything outside I like. It's nice being in Wollongong because you can just hang out at the beach or do whatever. Like, I don't know if you guys know, you probably all know, but um, I think it's called Bushrangers Bay, just down south. It's like such good snorkeling. Like, it's amazing down there. So I love doing stuff like that. Love bushwalking. I uh, love my friends, love reading. Mitch and I were talking about poetry before. I really like poetry. Like, um, yeah, there's lots of things I like to do in my spare time. I like hanging out with people. So if you've got any spare time and you want to hang out, it's great. You might here for a few more days. So yeah. There's opportunities. Um, just because I was having a conversation, a very serious one before, what's your favourite and least favourite household chore? Oh, household chores. Um... I quite like doing the dishes as a chore because it's like instant gratification, right? Like so much you do in life, you work really hard and you never really see the results. But dishes is like instant. You do them and they're done and they're clean and it's like so good. Um, yeah, I even have a dishwasher in my house and I think I've used it once like when I had 10 people over and that was it because I just otherwise just do the dishes. Uh, least favourite, I really don't like cleaning the bathroom. It's always gross. And it always needs a lot of work. And then more work than what you can give it, right? Like you clean the shower and then it's still dirty. You've got to clean it again. And then it's never really clean. It's just better than what it was. <laughs> Fair enough. We can argue the merits of all of that later. <laughs> um, last question before I get out of the way. We were talking briefly the other day um, about how big the gospel is. Mm. It's not a small gospel that we, we have that um, impacts everything. What's one thing that you love about the gospel or being a Christian? Wow. Something you love about being a Christian? It's quite a hard question, isn't it? In that <clears throat> there's so many things. Um, but I think one thing, um, and not necessarily the best thing, just one thing uh, that I love is this actually, that when you become a Christian, you're not just like 
saved and whisked away, you know, and like that's a thing that's private between you and God. Like it is between you and God, but you're invited into a family, into a community of believers, and then we get to do life together. Like, I don't know, I've been reading this book called The Long Loneliness by Dorothy Day, and in it she just talks about how hard life is because so often we're all lonely. And actually the gospel is an antidote to that. Like we're not always perfect at it, you know, Christians can be mean and, you know, exclusive you know and all those things as well but the dream the ideal is that we love each other as Christ loved us you know and that's like such a beautiful thing to get invited into when we get saved Um, yeah and the fact that I don't know I guess I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm about to go to Kenya you know to work for CMS but that's not something I do in isolation either like I couldn't go unless all you guys were praying and supporting and you know sending me like this is something we're doing together Um, and I'm just very conscious of that I think because I couldn't go unless we were all doing this together so I love that being a Christian is such a community event yeah and I think can I keep talking a little bit yeah great there's something like quite beautiful in (laughs) like our God's a trinity, right? Like at his core, he's a re- relational. Like he is community in and of himself. So it's great that he invites us to be part of that and sharing that with the way we love each other. Thanks, Mitch. Nice. <laughs> it's a team sport. Um, it's a team sport. Yeah. All right, I'll get out of the way and you're going to tell us a bit about uh, where you're going, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yep, all the things. Um, and I'm going to use a PowerPoint, which is something I haven't done before, so that's fun. Made this just for you guys, because um, normally I just talk. So we'll see how it goes. It should be fun. Photos are fun, right? Um, I'm going with CMS. Um, strangely enough, I'm going with CMS Victoria. I live down in Vic, but they have kindly—they like you to stay with churches within your state, but they've kindly allowed me to partner with you guys because of the history of connection here. Um, yeah, so that's really beautiful. So I'm with CMS Victoria, but I'm up here in New South Wales. And CMS vision is to see a world that knows Jesus. And that's why I'm going. Because like, that's all of our vision, isn't it? Like when we see, when we become Christians, we want other people to know Jesus. Because like, that's the heart of the gospel. Like that's, it's so exciting to know Jesus. And so we want to share that with others. Um, I'm going to Kenya. Keep clicking, Mitch. Oh, go back. Can you, what happens if you click the mouse rather than the arrow? Oh, that's so sad. I had some fun animations. Anyway, um, if you go back to the map, you can see there Kenya, it's on mid-right below Ethiopia, Somalia, um, there. And I'm going to an area on the coast called Watamu when um, we went over as a family. We lived in Nairobi. Uh, which is the capital and kind of central in Kenya, but I'm going to an area that's about 10 hours away. So it's like an hour and a half flight. It's like the distance Melbourne to Sydney, um, going from, yeah, in the city to the coast. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up in Kenya. This is what you guys sent us to do all those years ago. Um, Dad set up a medical clinic in one of the slums. If you guys haven't heard that story, it's worth hearing. He's here, you can chat to him. and I stay there, go, go back, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I went to school there, grew up there, and it gave me a real love for the country, and a little love for the people there, and that's a big part of the reason I'm going back, and I, but this time I'm going to an area called Watamu, if you click, yep, 
this is Watamu. It's pretty nice, right? Like some friends of mine I was at St. Andrew's Hall with. St. Andrew's Hall is like the big training college for CMS that you go and learn to be a missionary. Um, and some friends who were there at the same time of me have gone to the Seychelles. And everyone gave them so much flack, right? Because like they're going to the Seychelles. It's like this holiday destination. Dude, I'm going on holiday destination. It's so nice. Um, yeah, beautiful white sandy beaches. Small coastal town. There's like five to 10,000 people that live there. Lots of industry from tourism. So they took a real hit during COVID. Um, it was quite tough for a lot of people because there's no social security when you lose your job. Government's not giving you COVID payouts. You just lose your income. Um, lots of subsistence farmers as well. And I'll talk a bit more about that. I'm going to work for a group called Arosha Kenya. Um, they, Arosha are Christians in conservation. They originally started in Portugal in the 1980s. They're just celebrating their 40th year anniversary, so that's quite exciting. Um, and they started by a couple Crosslinks missionaries. Crosslinks is like the UK version of CMS. Um, yeah, because they wanted to serve God by caring for the environment and people in Portugal. And it's found its way to Kenya. Um, and yeah, this is a picture of their team. You can kind of see a few people in there. There's lots of volunteers in there too. Um, and they care for God's environment. So they uh, take care of nature and things around them. They take care of the people that live, you know, in the environment that depend on it to farm and find their livelihoods. And they point people to Jesus first and foremost. Arosha is a uh, Portuguese word meaning the rock. And the idea is that everything they do is founded on the rock of Christ because um, he's at the heart of it. He's the foundation of it. And if they do anything that's not about Jesus, like they might as well not exist, right? They're just another conservation organisation. But they point people to Jesus as the Lord of all creation. Um, yeah, they do heaps of stuff. Um, so these are a few of their things. Microplastics collection. They do wildlife clubs, they do biodiversity surveys, they do marine education, they work with kids, they work with adults, they work with farmers, they work in churches, they work in community groups, they work on the coast, they work inland. They just respond to the needs that they see around them. Um, and yeah, have, they're often quite relationally driven as well, um, both by developing a relationship, by studying like say the forest or with the people that they're working with. Uh, one of their programs is called Assets. It's the Arabuku Sokoke uh, Schools and Ecotourism uh, Scheme. And they set it up because they'd been working for conservation in this one forest and they realised that it was getting just hammered by the local community, people chopping down trees and setting snares and just like destroying these beautiful, you know, kind of like national park. And so they went and tried to chat to people. They're like, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you chopping down the trees? Why are you killing the elephants? Like, what's what's this about? And the guy's like, oh, we need a bit of cash to pay school fees. Like, we don't have enough money to send our kids to school. Um, primary school in Kenya is free, but secondary school you've got to pay for. And if you don't have secondary school, your options in life are pretty limited. So people work pretty hard to get their kids to secondary school. Um, so Rush was like, all right, people need to send their kids to school. That's fair. Like, if it's a choice between a tree and your kid, you've got to choose your kid. It's reasonable. Um, but what can we do to help people to put their kids through school that takes the pressure off the environment. And so they uh, set up a bunch of ecotourism schemes that generated income and so the kids and then created bursaries for the kids, like scholarships to put them through school. And so the kids knew that they were getting put through school by protecting the environment. And at the same time they did this whole integrated education program. If you receive this bursary, 
you came along to these classes and these sessions, not just the kids, but the parents, the whole community got involved, and they taught these biblical theology of creation care, these biblical reasons why we should care for creation. So pointing towards Jesus, Lord of creation, that's why we look after it. So the kids had this um, kind of multifaceted um, approach where they were learning about caring for creation from real practical sense, paying for their education. They got involved in real conservation action, so they get given trees to go plant, you know, in their schoolyard or home or whatever, and they were getting these biblical reasons why this stuff was important. So it's a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful program that they've got going on. They've also got this program called Farming God's Way, which a couple of you heard this this morning when I talked about it, but I just really love the story, so I'm going to tell it again. Um, and their program, Farming God's Way, it starts in the churches. So churches are often still the community centre in Kenya, so people go, uh, Arusha has a pastor on the staff, and he'll go into these churches and preach a four-week sermon series on uh, biblical theology of creation care. So what does the Bible have to say about the planet, basically? So God made it, starting in Genesis, you know, like uh, he loves it, he takes care of it, he's coming back to redeem it, to fix it, whatever your theology is there, um, as it says in Revelation. And over all of that, the Bible is so clear, Jesus is Lord over it, right? And that's why we should take care of it. So I preach a sermon series and then... At the end, they'll offer a regenerative agriculture workshop because a lot of the agriculture in this area is quite destructive, real slash and burn sort of techniques. So you go in, chop down a bunch of trees, set them on fire, creates nice ash, which is quite nutrient rich, and you'll get maybe two years worth of crops out of that. And then it's like dead, no good anymore. So you move on to the next patch, slash and burn, and then just keep going. So it's quite destructive. Um, and so then they, the Arosha guys will offer a workshop that teaches uh, regenerative agriculture. So rather than slashing and burning, just, you know, care for your little patch, um, put life back into the soil. So fertilise, compost, rather than slashing and burning and increasingly being destructive, just farm in a way that's a bit more intensive and a bit more regenerative. Um, and they do all of that based on biblical principles as well, you know. Uh, and one lady... I don't think it was this lady, but this is just a good photo of someone who went through the program. But a lady went through the program and, you know, came to the end of it and wasn't so convinced that, you know, she wanted to try this technique because it's high risk, right? It's not just like, oh, I'll try doing the tomatoes in my backyard a bit different. This is like the food her kids are going to eat. So you don't want to just gamble that too easily. Um, so she's like, all right, I'll do half the plot my way and half your farming God's way, you know? And God was just very kind to this woman because at the end of the season, like her crops were like here and the farming God's Way crops were up here. Like it was just an incredible difference. And this is actually someone who's done their plot farming God's Way and not farming God's Way. And you can just see the difference that the techniques make. Um, yeah, on the, earth, on the right, see the earth's like a lot more bare and uncovered. On the left, it's got that nice mulch which traps the moisture, traps more life in the soil. But this... Not only was this like program or this, you know, uh, farming method for this lady, not only did it even more crops, it was this real gospel moment for her where she goes, oh, I get it, God's way is better. You know, like just in that moment, it's like the penny drops and it makes a difference to how I live, you know. Me living God's way like leads to life. Like it was this beautiful moment and it won't always work that well, you know, there's drought and locusts and all sorts of things that stop crops from growing well, but it can work really beautifully and it can change the way people understand Jesus. So, yeah. Um, 
Oh, this is, so I'll get to join a team of about 20 to 30 people. Um, they're all Kenyans. I'll be the only non-Kenyan on the team. And they're just a really beautiful Christian team who really love God. So this is just a little video from one of the staff meetings. If it'll work, but it might not. Yeah, can you click on it? Can't click on it. Nah. Oh, well, that's sad. It's really cool. They're just singing, and it's great. Um, anyway, here's what it is. Um, but this Easter, they had a really beautiful baptism on the beach. Um, this is a dawn service at Easter. Uh, they get a lot of volunteers coming to their centre as well. They have a research guest house uh, centre that they have a lot of volunteers come and stay at. And often those volunteers are from Europe or Canada or all across the world, and most of them wouldn't be Christian. They just come because they like the environmental work that they do. And often they're quite anti-Christian, actually, because, you know, they've come from whatever kind of church background or background they've come from and are like, oh, Christians shouldn't try and change people. You know, they're always, like, indoctrinating people and proselytizing. Like, they shouldn't do that. Just do your environmental stuff. Leave the Christian stuff alone. But then they join these Arusha guys and they eat three meals with them a day, they go out and work with them, they get alongside them, and people change. Like the two people that got baptised here, one was like this Italian girl who had come to Arusha and stayed, been a very kind of angry atheist, very anti-Christian, um, and was always fighting with the guys, you know, like about what Christians are like and what they should do. And then over the time... I don't know, she just softened, I guess, because she'd worked alongside these guys. She went back to Italy, and then a year later, she came back again just to talk about Christian stuff. So the first time she'd come had been purely like environmental, didn't want to borrow the Christian stuff. The second time was just to get to know Jesus. Um, so, yeah, really beautifully, she became a Christian, and they got to baptise her, and, yeah, that was dawn at Easter. Um, I've worked with these guys in the past as well. This is a few shots of me doing my thing with the team. Um, yeah, I have been back to Kenya nearly every year since I left in 2010. Thanks, <laughs> Mum. <laughs> um, yeah, couldn't go during COVID, but pretty much apart from that, I've been back. And that's meant I know this team well and really love them. And um, we've been able to talk about opportunities of me going back and being part of their team as well. Um, I have a background in conservation, environmental science, and I've spent the last seven years working in like environmental project management. So I've got good skills in that industry, um, which now, awesomely, thanks to God, I get to go share with this team, you know, and that's because of your partnership, because of CMS, because of the way God sets things up so well. Um, I really love this photo. This is me working with the guys. We were just doing some bird surveys in this river called Sabaki, and I was like got so stuck and then Kurao, this second guy, came to help me up and like he got stuck so like he couldn't pull because the ground's so soft every time he pulled he would sink. Um, yeah and I just like I just couldn't move. I don't know if you've ever been in mud like that but it's like every time you go to move you just feel like you're about to fall on your face and then it's like how do you get up then? Like you're really in trouble. Anyway Kurao had to come help me and then Albo had to help Kurao and eventually we all got out. Um, but I really love it because I think it just points to kind of where we started with all of this, where like we need each other, right? Like Mitch didn't even set me up with that question. It just worked well. Like, but we can't do things in isolation as a Christian. Like I need you guys to go to Kenya. I need these guys to do anything in Kenya really, you know, like, and 
it's not like I'm just showing up to Kenya and I got everything to offer as well. Like God's already doing his work in Kenya and he has been since he made it, right? Jesus has been Lord over Kenya since Jesus created Kenya. Um, and he's been doing great things there. So I'm going to show up and be part of what God's already doing there. And I'm going to need a lot of help to do it. Um, yeah. I think I'll just skip the next few slides because we're running a bit late. This was more on like the specific sort of work that I'm going to do. So if you guys want to hear more about that, come and chat. Um, they're great photos though, aren't they? They're so good. Keep going. Yep. Planting trees, it's great. Yep, so this is why I'm going with CMS. Because um, I could just go, right? And like be part of the work in Arusha and join them. But I want to go intentionally with CMS. Because CMS is biblically based, got a long-term focus, gospel priority, and they provide in-depth training. And I think it's just, um, this is something I really thought through last year. Because I had the option of just going and joining Arusha without CMS. Um, but I want to go with that real missional focus. Because I want to make sure I don't get distracted just by doing cool environmental projects or, you know, planting lots of trees or whatever. I want to keep the focus on helping people know Jesus. Like, I want that to be the heart and soul of what I do, which is why I need you guys to be in this too and praying for me that we keep that focus together, you know? Because really, that's, that's what we got to offer in life, don't we? don't we? Like, God doesn't really need us. He doesn't really need my expertise. He doesn't need my skills. He doesn't need our money to do things. But he chooses to work through us, and we get to be a part of that. And we get to be people that point people to Jesus. Like, that's an incredible way that God works, really, when you think about it. Um, yeah, but we get to be a part of it. And at the end of the day, like, a few people have said to me, <clears throat> I think, since... Um, CMS has never worked with a conservation organisation before and a few people have said like, oh, that's a bit unusual for CMS. And it, it is um, in some ways, but in some ways it's not at all because at the heart of it, both at the heart of Arusha and at the heart of CMS, they want to see a world that knows Jesus. Arusha wants to see Kenya that knows Jesus, you know, like that's the goal and that's the stuff that matters. The rest is just details of how we make it happen. It's just context for making that happen. Yes, please do pray for me. This is me with my buddy Kriya, the one that helped me out of the mud, and his wife and his firstborn son, Amani. He's now got three kids, all boys. Um, but yeah, please pray for the work that God is already doing in Kenya. Uh, pray for me as I prepare to join the team in Watamu, and pray for a world that knows Jesus, because at the end of the day, whether we're in Wollongong or Watamu, right, that's what we're all working towards. And I know I'm the one up here with the microphone and like with the photos, with the presentation, but like... If we're Christians, we all have a story like this. We all have this story and we're all living our lives intentionally where God's put us with the skills and the gifts and the people that he's given us. So we're all helping to see a world that knows Jesus. Cool. And we've got a QR code. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, great. <laughs> yes, I was, I was bragging earlier about how good I am at technology because I made a QR code. Yeah. And I think, uh, the, the karma, not karma. But it's obviously, the slideshow not working. Uh, it up. But nice. clap for Mitch for the QR code. How good is it? Anna <laughs> um, uh, has given away so many of her CMS um, prayer cards to sign up for that we, we don't have any more left. So this link will take you to the um, CMS website where you can sign up to get her prayer um, updates and, and things like that. So yeah. I'll just leave that up there for a while um, and you can do that. But I think. Um, 
the, the next couple of things we want to do is uh, just open it up, see if there's any questions from anything Anna said or, or hasn't said that you would be interested in, and then we're going to spend a bit of time at our tables um, praying because, like Anna's just so helpfully said, it's God's work and, and it happens. And, you know, we, we need to depend on Him and we do that very practically in prayer. So, we want to pray for Anna and give time for, for praying for mission more as well. But um, before we do that, Feel free to sign up for that one. And uh, were there any questions? This will take you to a link um, for my prayer points. I give, I write out prayer points every month. Um, so would love to have you get those. I love it when people write back as well. It's pretty great. I really love it. Um, yeah, it also gives you an option if you, if you want to partner financially, um, which if you do, just a technical thing, you got to say CMS Victoria, not CMS New South Wales. It's just a bureaucratic CMS thing. But yeah, anyway, if you do want to give, that's a helpful way to set it all up. Um, and this is better than the prayer cards that I have as well, because this actually gives you an option to sign up, where the prayer cards don't have my email address on them, which I think is an oversight. Um, and CMS is posting more to St. Michael's, so if you want one in a couple of weeks, there will be more. So you can stick it on your fridge. They're pretty great. Yeah. Uh, it did work for me, can I just check these yeah. Uh, questions? What's a CMS ID? Yeah, I don't know what a CMS ID is. I don't have one yet. We do. Oh, maybe I have one. If you're already a supporter, you already have one. But don't worry. Yeah. 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 Yes. What's the uh, spiritual atmosphere like in Kenya, <coughs> Christian population? Yeah. Um, like any country, it's diverse, um, but largely the church is growing and maturing and flourishing. Like uh, Kenyans will be the next Christian leaders in the world, you know. Um, we're going to need them to come over and support our churches. Actually, someone was telling me the other day who's been a missionary in France um, that, you know, there's no one in France anymore pretty much that wants to become a minister. So there's all these churches that don't have ministers in them. And all these guys from like Cameroon and Nigeria and West Africa are coming up and like being employed by French churches to lead the churches. And it's this massive like revival and it's really beautiful. Um, yeah, and I'm in Country Vic um, and our church hasn't had a minister for two years, you know, and it's like, how good would it be if a Kenyan came over and led our church? Um, yeah, but it is quite diverse. There's still a lot of like, uh, in the area I'm working in, there'll be a lot of animism and folk religion mixed in with the Christianity. Uh, there's a lot of, churches that are deliberately misleading people because the church is so influential it's often an opportunity to exploit power and get money off people um yeah i don't know if you guys have been following in the news but recently there was the story of a guy who started a cult just near where i am actually like kilometers where i'll be um and he persuaded people to starve themselves to get to know jesus and like over 200 people have died like some pretty evil stuff going on. Um, yeah, there's quite a few Muslims as well, particularly on coast, the coastal area. Um, so that'll be interesting. Like I don't know that many Muslims, but I will, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a diverse range, but overall the church in Kenya is quite healthy and growing and quite exciting. Like it was cool. Um, I was there in September and we were driving around looking at the Russia guys are trying to 
create a nature reserve at the moment um, in partnership with the community. And they're just looking at different blocks of land to buy. And this has been my job for the last five years, basically doing this. And, you know, we rock up to a block of land in Australia and we get out and we do an ecological assessment, work out if we can afford it, call the landowner. You know, you do all the things to buy a block of land. And, um, yeah, doing it with the guys in Kenya, we'd drive up to a block of land, get out, and they'd pray. Like, that was just the first thing that they'd do. And then they'd start doing the ecological assessments or, you know, the... Uh, calling up the owner to see if it's for sale. But I just love that their instinct, their first reflex to things is to pray about it, you know, like, oh man, I, yeah, I would love to get to that point, you know. Praying for me is often the last thing that I do, you know. If you're sick, it's like, all right, go to the doctor, get some medicine, have a rest, do all the things, and if I'm still not better, oh, I should probably pray about it. But like these guys, it's like, oh no, first up, we're going to pray, and then we'll sort everything else out. So I'm excited to learn from the Kenyans and the way they live out their faith. Yeah. Yeah, Lois. Is your city an international holiday place or is it for Kenyans mainly? Yeah, both. Um, lots of Kenyans all come to this area for holidays, um, but lots of international tourists as well. Yeah, the airport there used to be, maybe still is, an international airport and lots of guys would fly, lots of retirees would fly in from the UK and just have like the three months of their winter at some resort on the coast of Kenya. There's a way to do retirement, I guess. Um, yeah, the resorts are quite like uh, separate from the rest of the town. Like they're definitely, once you're in the resort, you're in the resort. Um, yeah, yeah. But, and there's a lot of kite surfing there as well. So there's people that <coughs> do like the kite surfing season. So they'll go, you know, like three months in Portugal, three months in California, three months in Kenya, three months in, so you get lots of international people that way too. But yeah, very transient, very temporary. Lots of Italians as well, for whatever reason. So there's good ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> if your question after all of that is going to be, can I come with you? Yeah. Well, come yeah. visit. <laughs> Other questions? <laughs> yeah, Stacy. I have two questions. Yeah. Yeah, um, the questions are, will I have much to do with the international crowd? And the second question was, what will I do for church? Um, I'll have a bit to do with the international volunteers that come through Arosha, I think, um, but I don't know how much I'll have to do with the rest. It's a small town, so I guess you have a bit to do with everyone, really. But the tourists in the resorts, I don't think I'll have anything to do with. They're definitely doing their own thing. Um, what will I do for church? That's something I'd love prayer for. I don't know what church will look like over there. Um, the, some of the Arusha team run like a house church, um, so I'll be part of that at least to start with for a time. But, yeah, I'm not sure what it would look like long term or whether I'd want to find, you know, a local church or, yeah, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, Sue. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, thanks, good question. Um, 
So I guess <coughs> CMS doesn't want you to have too prescriptive an idea of what you're going to do before you go, because the idea is to work it out with the local partners. And I'll do whatever they want me to do. They'll write my job description. But it's highly likely I'll go in um, kind of at a mid-management level. So they've got their senior management, and then they've got boots on the ground. So the team's pretty big. It's like 20, 30 people. Um, but only two guys really like do any sort of management stuff. And so the work just really bottlenecks, really restricts the opportunities for the guys on the ground to go out and do their job well, because they're waiting for decisions from the management, and management's swamped by 53 decisions that they have to make in the next 10 minutes. And so it just gets quite difficult, um, and everyone gets quite frustrated. So what, uh, or what we've talked about being an option for me going in with the team is sitting at a mid-management level where I can kind of translate or work between you know, the senior management level, um, kind of catch their vision and understand what they want and how they want it, and then helping the guys on the ground, just communicating well with them, freeing them up so they can just get on with their work, and then setting up some structures and systems behind the scene, um, which anyone hopefully could run. You know, If you set up a good enough system, anyone can come in and take that over. So yeah, that's the kind of work I think I'll do. That's the kind of work I did at my last job. Um, so that's what I know how to do. Never in a Kenyan context, but just makes it more fun, I guess. Um, yeah. Thanks, Sue. Yeah, Megan. Yeah, not great, but we'll get better. <laughs> um, yeah, that's something I'm going to work hard on at first, um, and probably for quite a while. Like, I want to put a few months into that, if not, you know, and then it'll turn into years. But um, yeah, I want to hold off working like doing an actual job for as long as possible. Because once you start work, it'll take over. So I want to give good time towards language. Um, and the, I'd also love to learn Giriyama. On the coast, they speak, the tribe on the coast dominantly is Giriyama, and they speak a language called Giriyama. And yeah, it'd be awesome to be able to go up to people and at least start a conversation in Giriyama, because they would love it. Like it would open up so many friendships and so many people. Like, yeah, so I'll work hard at Swahili to start and then work on Giriyama. Yeah, Los. Yeah, it's a charity. Um, so they just get money from mostly churches in the UK, I think, is where most of their funding comes from. Um, but because they're a conservation organisation, occasionally they get grants for specific projects and that can help fund wages for a while. But that's partly why um, someone like me is quite a good resource for them because I'm coming basically donated by CMS. Um, they often really struggle to pay their staff well because they just can't afford to. Um, people will show up and love the work that Arosha does and want to be part of it. And they'll often come in at a grad level as well and just, yeah, get so excited and get trained up really well because the quality of work that Arosha does is so high. And then after a few years, they'll realise they can get paid like three or four times as much somewhere else. And often they'll stick around because they love what Arosha is doing. But as soon as they want to start a family or, you know, anything really like they have to go take another job because they're just not getting paid enough like the pay is really low even for Kenya Kenyan standards um, yeah so it's been pretty tough for them and part of the reason why having someone with a few management skills who isn't just going to leave when a better job opportunity arrives could be quite valuable for them um, yeah and that's a great way that you know the Australian church can resource our Kenyan brothers and sisters is like you know I, don't know, I guess it's a bit different from other missions that you hear where it's like, oh, frontline evangelism, you know, unreached people groups, like that stuff's awesome and like 
yeah, amazing that we're sending people out there. But yeah, the Kenyan church is a bit different, I guess, in that it is uh, got a lot of mature Christian leaders, but it still needs resources and ones that we take for granted, you know, like, I don't know, even a church like St. Michael's, like, you know, how big is the staff here and, you know, how capable are the resources here? It's like things in Kenya often don't have that luxury just of um, the finances, stable finances behind them to help things run well. So, yeah, it's a great gift to be able to give the Kenyan ministry and uh, get behind it. Thanks. Um, I, I bring the capability here down a little bit. So it's Midge, stop yeah. it. <laughs> uh, I think we should channel our inner, inner Kenyan and, and spend some time in prayer. So uh, we might do that just in our table groups and then I'll pop up soon and, and close. It's good. Yeah, I would like to join a table. In 10 minutes, I might just grab you to say, uh, I'll say something, and then I'll just say, um, and why should people stick around for the next? Yeah, sure. Is that okay? Yeah, that's good. And then we might just make it a quick supper, like grab a cup of tea and coffee, and then come in at your table. Yeah, yeah. Is that cool? Yeah, I reckon. It's good. Rockin'. Rockin'. That's the one, good one. Jump in and pray with you guys. Heavenly Father, thanks. Um, thanks that we can be about this is my um, environment related question. What's your favorite ecosystem? Oh. Or habitat? Is it a habitat? Is that what they're called? Rainforest. What's your favourite habitat? And then take it from there. Is this a, is this a group discussion or a me discussion? Or just for me? Um, I really like dry grassy woodland, um, which is a bit niche, but I don't, know, I don't know what the equivalent is in New South Wales. But in Victoria, we have like the Mallee, which is like real scrubby, real dry. And it's just beautiful like you just get these open landscapes they call it like big sky country and it's like it's just beautiful often quite flat but um then with a few trees every now and again and it's just like it's all about the detail right often you like go there and it's like hot and strange and like oh this is a bit average thanks that's better than average um and then you like start looking, right? And there's like little wildflowers and little beautiful grasses and there's stuff going on in the trees and there's small mammals and it's just like, oh, it's so good. But you've got to get to know it, right? Like you've got to invest in it to know it. And I think that's why I probably love it because, yeah, when I first saw it, I was probably like, ma, not my favourite. I like the flashy stuff, right? I like the beach, I like the rainforest. But then you're like, yeah, gets in you, I guess. Gets in your blood. Anyway, I really like dry grassy woodland. Um, yeah, so now we're going to talk about the environment and what the Bible has to say about it. We're going to talk about two things, actually, the way I structured this talk. I've put it in a framework of CMS. Um, so CMS's vision is to see a world that knows Jesus. Um, but my background's in conservation. Like, I'm not, like, I've done a year of Bible college. I've done a little bit of student ministry, but really never really done ministry. I'm not a pastor. I'm not anything like that. Um, 
So, but I am being sent, and I am being sent to Kenya to work for a conservation organisation. So the question tonight is kind of why would CMS send a missionary to work for a conservation organisation? Is that something we should be doing as Christians? Is that mission? Um, and there's two parts to it. And the first one's what is mission? And the second part is what's the Bible got to say about conservation? Um, what is a Christian framework for caring for the planet? And we're going to spend most of the time on the second part of that question. Um, but to kind of set the scene for where this biblical framework fits within our missional discussion tonight, um, I'm going to throw to you guys to have a think about what mission is. And then I'm going to, have a, uh, I'm going to talk at length about a theology of conservation. Um, and then we'll bring them together, hopefully, and work out why CMS would send a conservationist to the mission field. Um, or maybe we'll work out it doesn't add up and I should rethink my choices. Um, so you're here for the adventure, everybody. Um, cool, so over to you guys in your table groups. Have a chat and come up together with a definition of mission. So what is mission? I'm gonna give you five minutes, off you go. Yeah, great. All the snacks. Yeah, I think I'm all right. I've been snacking a lot this week. It's like, it's great. <laughs> another two minutes. <laughs>
Should have given everyone a bit of paper. They could have written it down. Next time, next time, yeah. <laughs> we'll know, we'll know how to do it better. <laughs> Start wrapping up your discussions. See if you can get a cohesive, united definition as a table group. Because I'm going to ask you all, so have something to present. Be ready. Everyone did. Everyone was just chatting. <laughs> all right, 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 all right. Oh, man, you guys are good. <laughs> um, all right, let's go table by table. I want to hear your definitions. It's not like a, I don't know things, so I'm not going to grade your definition. So just give us what you got. Let's start with oh, front left. Greg Engel, you've been dubbed in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Could we have a run around mic? Greg, you don't need a mic. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. And table. <laughs> yeah, next table. Well, the angles are up. Alyssa, are you ready? I think you're... Let's <laughs> see if our tables went. Um, we talk about mission as a passion project. And the passion project in hmm. the spread of the gospel, knowledge of Jesus, and that we are all involved in it. I don't know if that's a definition, but that's what we talk about. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we looked at how mission is usually being sent somewhere and just that's like a general term mission. So for a Christian it's being sent to help people have Jesus. And we generally see the sort of sent from where you are to somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I did a Google search for the word mission. Oh. Um, I don't know if I actually did this, but this random <coughs> website says that the word mission uh, comes up once only in the Bible, in Galatians 2 8, and it talks about Peter being trusted, being trusted with the gospel, and in verse 8 it says, For he worked through Peter of his apostolic ministry, that's the mission word, to the circumcised, who worked also through me, Paul, to the Gentiles. So we thought maybe it was being trusted with the gospel to bring it to a people, like all these to the non-Gentiles, to the Gentiles, yeah, to the circumcised. Yeah. Bonus points for using the Bible. <laughs> it's good. You started with the secular mission. What's, what's mm. that 
growing mind, so we work towards that goal. And as Christians, our mission is a world that knows Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Right. As very concise, it's good. <laughs> Did anyone not? Yeah, everyone said. Great. Thanks, Mitch. Um, yeah, I'm not going to give you a definition of mission. Um, I think you guys, that's awesome. Like, but hold and hold those definitions of mission in your head. Like, uh, hold those thoughts about what is mission because that'll kind of inform how we then think about this biblical theology of creation care and where that fits into mission, um, which we'll come back to at the end. So, Hold the thoughts of mission and we're going to change gears slightly because we're going to look at the second part of this. Why should Christians care about the planet? Um, like this guy, Zach. He's out there planting trees. It's great. I used to work with Zach. Um, and we love that, right? We love people who plant trees. That's why we put them on our billboards and use them for our advertising campaigns. Um, but is it just that planting trees is a good thing to do? Is that why we love it? And being a Christian isn't really related to it. So you're planting trees, you're being a Christian, but you're not really planting trees because you're a Christian, right? It's just your job or it's just a good thing to do. Maybe you guys have never planted trees, um, but you've composted or recycled or even cared for a space or cared for the environment that you're in by putting a coaster under your cup or vacuuming up after yourself, right? That's caring for the environment that you're in as well. You've taken care of the space that you're in in some way What's that got to do with being a Christian? Why should Christians care about the spaces that we're in? Why should we care about the planet? Um, I'm going to do a lot of talking from this point. So jump in if you've got questions. Um, if things don't make sense, if I'm going too fast, if you need to unpack a bit more, just, yeah, stand up or stick your hand up. There'll be a time for questions at the end, but happy to bounce off you guys as we go as well. Um, so our planet is in a lot of trouble. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this because I feel like we probably all know to some degree. Um, but we're in an environmental crisis, right? We've got nine planetary boundaries. They're up here on the screen. Um, we've, got our, we've got climate change. We've got freshwater, ozone layer, our atmosphere, oceans, nutrient flows, novel entities, that means pollution, um, and then land use. 
And the orange in this graph is where we've exceeded our planetary boundary. So we've exceeded six out of nine. And the boundaries are there as like a guideline of the limits of what we need to live in if we want to continue to live. So right now we're living beyond our means is what that means. We're using too many resources, we're causing too much pollution, we're not living in a sustainable way. And crossing the boundaries increases the chance of catastrophic and potentially irreversible damage to the planet. Um, in the last 50 years, we've lost 83% of our wild animals. 70% of all birds in the world are chickens. 90%, 90% of fish stocks are overexploited or depleted. One eighth of all species in the world are threatened with extinction. We're losing our bees, we're losing our pollinators. If we don't have things that can pollinate, we lose our food. We're losing our wild spaces. We keep developing and constructing. 75 to 85% of the Earth's surface has been altered by humans in quite a radical way. Um, our oceans are full of plastics. Air pollution in India is close to smoking more than a dozen cigarettes a day. Just by breathing, you're smoking the equivalent of cigarettes. And some days the air pollution is so bad that's as high as 45 cigarettes. And that's everyone's breathing that air in. Old people, young people, kids. Food insecurity is growing. Um, 50 million people are on the brink of famine. We're exceeding our planetary boundaries and we're in an environmental crisis. Um, and what is the cause of these problems? It's easy to point to lots of things as the cause of these problems, but as Christians, we know that the heart of this issue is greed and selfishness. Sin is the key problem here. We've broken God's world by breaking God's rules. We don't do things God's way, we do things our way. We follow in the footsteps of Adam, not in the footsteps of Jesus. We don't care for this world the way we should. And if sin causes these problems, what then solves these problems? And we know that the answer to sin is Jesus. So Jesus is the answer to this environmental crisis, but how does that work? Um, and that's kind of what we're going to look at. He invites us to be part of caring for his world, part of the answer to this sinful destruction, because we can care for creation by living God's way, and we should. We're God's people. And as Christians, we have more reason to care than anywhere, anyone else on the planet. Um, I'm going to go through four reasons we should care about the planet as Christians. There's a lot more, or you could unpack them in different ways. I'm just going to do four tonight. Uh, reason number one is that God made it. Reason number two is God made it good. Reason number three, God made us to look after it. And reason number four, God made us to love our neighbours. So we're going to spend most of our time looking at these four reasons. So reason number one, God made the world. It's God's creation. It's his stuff, right? If you make something, it's your thing. And we see that right in Genesis, right? That's the first thing God ever does is he makes the world, right? The spirit is over the waters. God talks and things get made. Um, Psalm 24 talks about the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live it. All of creation belongs to God because he made it. Job 38 verse 4, Job's just had this, you know, intense time of trial and he's been crying out to God and then God answers. And what's God's answer to Job? He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know. 
who stretched a measuring line across it or, were, or what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. God's getting real sassy here with Job because of course Job wasn't there, right? None of us were, but God was there because he was the creator. God made the world, it's his stuff, and he didn't just set and forget, like he is in everything, right? He's sustaining it, he's holding it all together. Jesus is Lord over it because not just God the Father, it's not just the Spirit, Jesus was there creating the world. John 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, that is Jesus, all things were made. Without him, Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is the creator. It's his world. And Colossians 1, 15 to 20 talks about he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and he holds all things together. Jesus is Lord over all of creation. And if he's our Lord, we need to respect the stuff that he's made and the stuff that he is now ruling over. We're his church, we're his people, we're his body. He's our head. We need to care for his world. God didn't just make it. He made it really good, right? That's why we love getting out in nature. That's why we do our holidays, trips to the beach or out to the mountains, right? Like, I don't know, yesterday I took my work down to Diggies and was doing it then, like, you know, looking out at North Beach and these two dolphins, like, swam past. Like, what the heck? The world is amazing. Wollongong is a beautiful place. You guys live in an amazing part of the world. It's good. Like, creation is good. And five times before God creates people, God says, it is good. He creates light. It's good. Land and sea. It's good. Plants. They're good. Sun, moon, stars, they're good. Life in the seas and skies, it's good. Life on land, it's good. And God made good laws to care for his good creation. Leviticus 25, God tells his people, when you enter the land that I'm going to give you, the promised land, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. The land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. The land is to have a year of rest. And that's for God's people, for the outsiders, for the livestock, for the wild animals. God cares about the land. He cares about all of his creation. It's all included in the good things that he wants. And he instructs God's people, his people, Israel, to care for the land. Deuteronomy 20:19 is a fun little verse that Lionel Windsor, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, he pointed out, he talks about, uh, he pulls it out in his book, Is God Green? And it just, God's just told Israel to go and attack this city um, And that's not the fun part. The fun part is that God goes, kill all the people, but don't kill the trees. Like, why does God care about the trees? You know, like, yeah, it's just this little moment. God cares about even the trees. Um, So God made it good and he cares how we uh, treat it. But we all know, right, it's not so good anymore. We know we're in an environmental crisis. And that's Genesis 3. That's the fall, right? God says, all right going to be hard to grow your food thistles and thorns you can't just go around hanging out in a garden anymore life becomes hard the land becomes cursed and Romans 8 says for the creation all of creation was subject to frustration not by its own choice 
but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. All of creation is groaning in frustration because of sin. Our sin isn't just a personal thing between us and God. It is that. And it isn't just something that damages our relationships with other people, but it is that. It's something that impacts the whole world. Poverty, climate change, you know, environmental degradation, they're issues of sin. Sin has broken so much in this world. It's not the way God created it. It's not the way he wants it to be. And we know that it's not good, right? We know about climate change and biodiversity loss and food insecurity and the crazy weather and deforestation and pollution and strip mining and species extinction and all of the things. Like, it's stressful just talking about this stuff. The world's not as it ought to be. The third reason we care for the world is because God made us to care for the world. This is our divine mandate. He created us to be gardeners. First job God ever gives people is to care for the garden. Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We get to rule the world. We have a responsibility to this earth. And we are already ruling it, right? We see the way people can impact the planet. Um, But unfortunately, we're not great gardeners. There are a lot of problems with this world. There's a lot of ways that sin and selfishness have shaped our decisions rather than the lordship of Christ. And that's not God's way of ruling. Jesus is God's model of how to rule. Jesus is the ruler of the world, right? And how did he rule? He ruled by sacrificially giving his life for the world. So what would it look like if we ruled the world like Jesus instead of ruling it as people that want to exploit it and treat it selfishly and get as much as we can out without respecting it or caring for it or giving life back into it? What would that look like for the planet if we were to rule like Jesus? Reason number four that we care is because God made us to love our neighbour. This is an issue of justice. Every corner of this world is feeling the impacts of climate change. And while you and I might grumble because maybe our bread costs a bit more or our milk costs a bit more, our brothers and sisters who live in poverty don't have resources to adapt. Climate change for them means no food, no water, forced to become refugees because they can't provide for their kids and they need to move somewhere else. But where can they move to? They're suffering the most and they're often the least resource to adapt. And they're not the ones causing the problem. That's the injustice. The poor, that's like 3.5 billion people, are responsible for about 10% of carbon emissions. And Australians among some of the highest contributors in the world to carbon emissions. The Western world contributes more to carbon emissions than anybody else. Or to put it another way, um, this is the most extreme example, but one German uses as many resources and emits as much carbon as 13 people in South Sudan. It's not fair. The Western world is contributing the most to these problems and we're suffering the least. And those who contribute the least are suffering the most. And God wants us to care for the poor. That's part of the job of the church. Deuteronomy 15.11, there will always be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, be open-handed towards your brothers and towards the poor and needy in your land. 
Or Proverbs 31, 8 to 9. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Or Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's where Jesus blows open, you know, this idea of who is my neighbour? Who are we supposed to love? We're supposed to love people who God created. That's our job as the church, is to care for those who are needy, no matter where they come from or whether we feel like they're our responsibility or not. We as the church need to care for the poor. That is our job. Uh, James 2, 14 to 17 says, (laughs) What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, be filled, but without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We need to care for the poor among us. And caring for the environment is caring for the poor. It can feel disconnected and it can feel abstract, but even small decisions like choosing to recycle or choosing to reduce your carbon emissions can be done as acts of love. They might not feel like they have the world's biggest impact, but we can do them in order to love our neighbour. And all these reasons to care really come down to the great commandment. Uh, We care for creation because we love God and we love our neighbour. The first two reasons, God made it, God made it good, um, and God made us to look after it. The first three reasons, sorry. So we care for creation out of love for God as a way to honour and worship him. And then God made us to love our neighbour because creation care is a matter of justice. So we care for creation because we love our neighbour. And it's also who we are. We also care because it's our identity. It's who God is, because God made it and God made it good. That's who God is. And then he made us. Who did he make us to be? He made us to people to care for his world and care for his people. That's who we are. That's what the church is supposed to do in the world. And we, God's people, should care for God's planet. Uh, I want to be crystal clear here. Um, If we go to the next slide, Mitch that we are called to care, not to save. So I'm making a big argument here of why we're supposed to care about the planet, but we need to do that in the context of it's not our job to save the planet. We're we're called to care. Saving the world is Jesus' job. He's got that covered, um, but we are supposed to look after his world. It's not up to us to save it, though, because we can't, right? Climate change is too big. Poverty is too complicated to solve. The problems of this planet are too big for us to fix. We can't even deal with our own personal sin, right? Like, that's why we need Jesus, let alone sinful structures and systems of the world. We need Jesus, and we need Jesus to save the world. And the beautiful news of the gospel is that he already has, right? That's what we believe. Um, Sin is causing this crisis, and sin has already been defeated in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So we work hard to care for the planet, and we do it as an act of worship, a way of thanking God for this good world that he's made, a way of humbly accepting responsibility to take care of this world, a way of stepping into our role as gardeners and Christ-like rulers, a way of declaring that Jesus is Lord over all creation and we're his church, so we look after his world, praising him at every moment that we do that. And we get to work hard in total freedom, doing what we can, where we can, but knowing that the fight has already been won. Because Jesus is alive. He is reigning. It's his world. He won't let it suffer forever. Climate change is bigger than us. We can't fix climate change, but it's not bigger than Jesus. He's got it under control. 
So I started this conversation, this TED talk with how, how is conservation mission? Because um, this is me out there working with the Arosha guys, like doing conservation. Um, and that question about mission, right, it's debated. Like people have all sorts of definitions about what is mission. Like on one hand, you've got people like Chris Wright who are saying mission is everything, you know, if our identity as Christians, living out that identity as Christians is mission. And then you've got people like Kevin DeYoung who are like, nope, mission is gospel proclamation. If, if mission is everything, then mission is nothing. Um, and so I don't have a clear definition for you, but I think where I've landed on this is that I don't think conservation is mission. Um, if I was to go to Kenya, plant some trees, save some elephants, whatever, it'd be great, it'd be a great way to live out my identity as a Christian by caring for God's world. But I wouldn't say it's mission, because I think, and you guys can disagree, but I think what makes it mission is when we point people to Jesus. Creation care creates a context that we can do that, because you can't just tell the gospel in a void, can you? If you just go up and start talking to someone, Often you don't get very far, but when you have a relationship with someone, when you've cared for them, when they see that you've loved them, then the gospel has power. As Christians, we have a unique hope in this conservation space, just like we do in every space, actually, because we know Christ. We have the good news that the world is crying out for because we know Christ. Um, I don't know how many conversations I've had with friends who environmentalists and they care passionately right about the planet but they're so tired and so anxious and so stressed because the world that they love and care about is is in trouble and they can't fix it that's almost every one of my friends who is a conservationist and who is an environmentalist they need the hope that we have they need the hope that christ is lord of creation that this is his world and he's taking care of it and he already has saved it um I'm going to quickly grab my Bible because I want to... Yeah, great. <coughs> There's a whole shelf of them. Thanks. Um, I just really love this passage in Revelation that I think talks about this because, yeah, it just speaks to this so beautifully. Revelation 4 and 5, we're in the throne room of heaven, right? John's having this vision in the throne room of heaven and he sees these glorious creatures and they're all bowing down worshiping God day and night they never stop saying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and then they lay their crowns before the throne and they say you are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power why for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being so for all of eternity these magnificent beings in the throne room of heaven have been worshipping God because his glory is seen in the creation, in the world that he's made. And then the lamb appears and no one can open the scroll. And then the lamb takes the scroll and he's able to open the scroll and the song changes. For the first time in all of eternity, there's something more glorious than creation. Because the And these glorious beings sing a new song. They sing, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seams, it opens its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then more creatures 
join in. And they sing in an even louder voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea join in this song and they sing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The song changes because Jesus is more glorious even than creation. And God's glory is so clearly seen in Jesus. And that's the hope that we can point our friends towards. That's the hope we need to give them because where else are they going to find their hope? Nothing is going to come close to the glory of Jesus. So we can love our neighbours by caring for the creation they live in. And we should, right? We should love our neighbours by caring for the creation they live in. And we can be even more loving by introducing them to Christ, the Lord of creation. And we can glorify God by caring for his world. And we should, right? That is an act of worship we can offer to him every day by caring for his world. And we can glorify him even more by inviting other people to join us in that throne room of heaven and worship him as their God by knowing Jesus. Guys, we've got to stop apologizing for being Christians or feeling weird about that because being a Christian is the best. We're the only ones who get to roll up our sleeves and get our hands in the dirt of this environmental crisis and do it with joy, not fear or stress or anxiety, but with joy, knowing that we don't have to save the world, but instead we rejoice in a God who already has saved the world. And we plant trees and we improve crops and we protect biodiversity as an act of worship. We point people to Christ, the creator, sustainer, saviour and redeemer of this world for their good and for God's glory. We've got to share this hope that we have because how can we keep it to ourselves? If you saw someone drowning, you'd rescue them, right? You'd pull them out. Or if you saw someone starving, you'd give them food. Like, no questions asked, you would respond. So how can we see our friends stressing out about climate change or biodiversity loss or food insecurity or environmental degradation and not point them to the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that they too could have in Christ, the hope that Jesus is in control and he's alive and powerful and working to save. We've got to love our friends. Or maybe the problem is that often we aren't convinced enough of this hope ourselves. We've got to settle these truths in our own hearts first, friends. We can't share it if we don't believe it. We need to work out who Jesus is. Do you feel stressed about climate change? Preach Christ to yourself. Make this hope an anchor for yourself. Pray about it. Read your Bible. Talk to your Christian people. Take that stress to God and see how God answers it in Jesus. That's not just true of stress about climate change. That's stress about anything we have in this world. It's the key to life, guys. We need to look up from the problems of this world and fix our eyes on Jesus and then get to work with what God's given you in the place where he's put you. You've got to share your hope in Wollongong. Conservation is not in itself mission. Conservation is a good thing to do, but conservation can be missional by sharing the hope that we have in Christ as a solution to the environmental problems. There's lots of good reasons to care for the planet as Christians. I've given you four. The Bible's got a heap more. But there are infinitely more reasons to share Jesus with the world because he's our ultimate hope. And this is something we all do. If we're Christian, we're missional. Someone once said to me, oh, being a missionary is just being Christian somewhere else. And it's like, oh, I think that's so 
true. It doesn't matter if you're a plumber or a student or working in a church or working at a fancy law firm or looking after their house. We have a job to do. We're the church, guys. If we're not helping our world know Jesus, who is? All of us know people who find life hard. All of us know people who don't know that Jesus is good news and we have the answer. How good is that? We know Jesus. Get excited about it and share it with them. CMS's vision is to see a world that knows Jesus. And they're sending me not because of what I do, not because I'm a conservationist, but because of who I am, a child of Christ. I'm not going because I'm good at conservation work. God doesn't need me. I'm going because I'm convinced that the world needs to know Jesus. And I want to be part of what God's doing in the world for its good and for God's glory. Because I can't think of a better way to spend my time on earth than working towards that. And friends, to see a world that knows Jesus is something we're all working towards. To see your next door neighbour know Jesus. To see your brother know know Jesus. See your work friend know Jesus. We've got to stop focusing here and start focusing out there to see where the people are who need to know Jesus. Then we've just got to do it. It's not rocket science. We just need to go love them. We need to share the gospel and our lives with them so that they'll come to know Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father God, uh, we need your help in your mission. We're so grateful that you invite us to be a part of it. You don't need us, but you choose to work with us and through us for your glory. Um, Pray that you give us your spirit to give us courage, to give us words and to give us love most of all. Just fill us up so much with the love that Christ showed us so that we just can't help but love other people. Um, Pray that we would... um, want to know Jesus more and more and want others to know him as well. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Hannah. That's great. It's good to go back to um, the the start and see God's um, one great story all the way through. Um, I heard someone recently say, um, after the fall, we we keep loving people even though it's hard and Mm. we keep loving creation even though loving creation is hard as well. Um, Mm. Yeah. um, I haven't prepared any of these, but we do have a couple of minutes for questions. If yeah, if, if you guys have questions. Already, we might not. I threw a lot at you, so it takes a while sometimes. You've got to sit on it a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it is such a good question. Um, I wish I had such a good answer for you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't think I have a formula or a technique or method or anything, but I don't know, I guess I've been struck by... um, I think when you're open with the life that you live and you're trying to live a life of integrity, people are often quite intrigued by that and quite touched by that and want to know more about it because often people are trying to live good lives you know not everyone um, but yeah I don't know I think there's just often conversations that we can have when we share lives with people Um, and I think I don't know there's lots of good ways to care for the environment you know and that's just a quick google of how to live sustainably in a city and I think it is hard in a city we're trapped by systems that 
keep us living very unsustainable lives, really. And I think as Australians, it's really hard to step out of that. Like in many ways, it's impossible. Like we're just trapped in these structures. Um, but yeah, we've got to do what we can, you know, where we are. Um, yeah, that's such an unhelpful answer. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I think trying to live with integrity and trying to live vulnerably, so trying to be as open with your life as you can so that people can see how you live. And unfortunately, that means sometimes they see the mess and the ugly stuff, right, as well as the good stuff, because we're not going to be consistent. But that's why we need the spirit, right, to help transform us so that we can live as beautifully as we can. So people get attracted to that beauty and want to know the beauty behind it, right? Um, yeah, I'm happy to think more about that. But it's a good question, yeah. And that really is the question, right? Like, what then do we do about this? So. Yeah, good for us all to think about. Mm. This microphone's getting a lower. And I might stick around um, if you want to ask questions or talk to her as well afterwards. But I might pray and then leave. We'll leave it there. Heavenly Father, thanks for your love and care and concern for all things. And as we uh, look at the Psalms, we see uh, the mood from um, creation to praise and worship of you. And um, like it says in Romans 12, we ask that our whole lives will be uh, in, in worship of you and acceptable sacrifice. And uh, yeah, please help us to care for the, the way we live, how we live it, and the people in our lives, all that your son Jesus might get glory now and forevermore. And of course we know he will when he returns again to reign and um, make everything new and right and righteous and as it should be. We ask again um, for Anna in the next few weeks as she prepares to head off mm. that you will give her good farewells, that it will be a real um, lovely and uplifting time and that as she heads over there you will make straight paths, the, the logistics will go smoothly, you will start well, learn language, love others, and, and feel supported by your people back here in Australia as well. Um, and as we long for Jesus to return, we know your patience means salvation, and we thank you for that as well. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, guys. It was a joy and a delight. <laughs> yes.